I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest Arsenal-related transfer rumours. We're going to be talking Lucas Paquetar. We're going to be talking Angolo Kante. We're going to be discussing the latest on Lissandro Martinez. Is a deal uh, for the Ajax defender from an Arsenal perspective potentially dead. We're going to be talking about Alex Grimaldo and various other bits and pieces. What a stunning few days of weather we've had here in London, by the way. It's amazing. Uh, Really, really enjoying it. I'm not enjoying, though, doing podcasts in it. And I'll tell you why. Because the weather's too nice to not let the kids play in the garden, right? Surely, like, you've got to have a heart. You've got to let them play in the garden. The, The little paddling pool's out. Their toys are all out. I don't have the heart to deny them entry to the garden, if that makes sense, while I'm podcasting. But the consequence of that is that I have to shut the man cave door and it is baking. Now, I've got a fan blowing on me from the corner over here, which I hope you can't hear, by the way, on the microphone. But I've got to say today, it's not cutting it. I am absolutely baking. Um, So, yeah, anyway, let's get into it. I just wanted to say a big thank you before we dive into the chat uh, to those of you who sent me some really, really kind messages yesterday. Um, I was covering my first game live from the ground uh, for BBC London yesterday. Um, Hopefully it's the first of many. I don't know that it will be. Uh, They might not like me. They might not want me back. I don't know. Uh, But that was my first game yesterday. It was a pre-season friendly between Boreham Wood, uh, who, of course, uh, host Arsenal women, Arsenal under-23s, etc., etc., and Premier League outfit Brentford, uh, managed by Thomas Frank. And I've got to say, look, I was really upset with Brentford, with the way they beat us at the start of last season. I didn't take too kindly to some of Ivan Tony's comments about the football club, and, you know, I think I was justified in being a little bit disappointed by what he had to say. But what I will say is this, um, you know, The first ever game I covered as a journalist ever, like the first game I ever got accredited for, the first opportunity I ever had to go to a football game in a professional capacity was at Brentford's old stadium, Griffin Park. And again, Thomas Frank was the manager. It wasn't the season that they got promoted. I think it was the season before. Um, And, you know, I, I just remember everybody there being so friendly, everybody there being so welcoming, so open, so approachable. And I think that comes, right, from being a club that's been, you know, at a lower level. And so I went to the game yesterday, kind of, and and I'd been asked by the producer to go over to Thomas Frank at the end of the game and get an interview. And that can be a little bit daunting. You know, like, I'm not someone that people look at and go, oh, he's a, a big shot in the media. We'll chat to him or we have to do what this guy asks because he works for a massive organization and everybody knows who he is and he's got a huge following. And so we have to appease it. I'm some journalist guy slash reporter who's who's starting out, let's be honest. And so, um, yeah, you're always a little bit hesitant, actually, to go up to people and ask for interviews. And I thought, you know what, I've got to do this. This is my first game for BBC London. And if I come back without what they've asked me for, 
it's going to look really bad, isn't it? So I was nervous, you know, and, and, you know, it causes you to flap around a little bit. You, you get there, you set up and you're just kind of walking up and down the side of the pitch, trying to kind of gather your thoughts, make sure that everything's in order. I know I'm rambling on about this, but it was a really excellent experience. So I do want to share it with you guys, because as I always say, Chronicles of Aguna is the basis of everything I've done. Every opportunity I've ever had has come from this podcast. So I like to share the journey uh, with you guys. But yeah, I was really, really nervous yesterday. But I have to say, I don't think there's a nicer manager in football than Thomas Frank. I don't think there's a, another manager who is not at that level anyway, who is as willing to give up his time, who's as willing to give you in-depth answers, interesting answers, who doesn't get tetchy when you ask the difficult questions. And we all know that the Christian Eriksen situation has brought about a little bit of a difficult question for Brentford. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was really nice to kind of to chat to him and, and he was really cool about it. And he gave me some great quotes and obviously um, that impressed and, you know, got to speak to Josh De Silva as well, former Arsenal man. And of course, Sergi Canos as well. So, yeah, really, really good experience. And, and thank you for all your support, because I got lots and lots of messages from you guys yesterday when I put that picture up on Twitter chatting to Thomas Frank. And I was really, really appreciative of all the support. So thank you. Uh, Rifa says, uh, Paqueta, sure on that one? Is it Paqueta? I don't know. I don't know. Um, somebody that I used to follow who uh, was quite a big figure in Italian football when Lucas Paqueta, if you want me to call him that, was at AC Milan. Used to say it the way I said it in the introduction. So it's kind of in my head. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. Maybe someone who speaks Portuguese can give us a little bit more uh, steer or direction on that. But yeah, anyway, uh, we're going to talk about him in a little bit, though, because I, I want to get some of the stories with regards to potential outgoings out of the way, done and dusted first, uh, because I know they're not as, I'm not going to say they're not as interesting, but I know people are, are more desperate and and kind of would rather we spent more time on potential incomings as that's what excites fans, right, uh, generally speaking. But look, let's talk a little bit, first of all, about Bern Leno, because he wasn't in the squad, of course, to face Nuremberg the other day. And that has only fueled speculation that a move to Fulham, a club who are said to be very, very interested in the German is moving forward. So is it happening? Is it not? I think the fact, as I say, that he was left out of the squad has, has kind of fueled these reports. I don't know if we're any closer, though, to striking a deal with Fulham. Now, it's understood that Arsenal want around about £10 million for the German international goalkeeper. I think that is a very, very fair price when you take into consideration his experience, the point at which he is in his career, and the fact that he'd be going there to be their number one goalkeeper I think that's a, a very reasonable figure. And I'd expect Arsenal to try and hold out as long as possible to try and get that. Now, Bern Leno doesn't have an awful uh, lot of time to run on his current Arsenal contract. And I'm just going to double check that fact um, while I am kind of spewing it across over to you guys just to make sure. But look, he's 30 years old. And yeah, his contract expires at the end of the upcoming season. So to get £10 million for him would be reasonable, I think, and would be about right, given that he's fallen out of favour at Arsenal. 
But I don't really want to see Arsenal accept less than that. Because as I say, you're talking about a German international goalkeeper. You're talking about someone who's been Arsenal's number one for a number of seasons. You're talking about somebody with a wealth of experience who's probably in his peak years as a goalkeeper. Now, we we talk a lot about players and their peak years and what age that necessarily constitutes. But I think for goalkeepers, it tends to be a little bit later on in their career. So where you might look at a player an outfield player and say he's 30 plus, don't know if I want to make an investment here. I think on a goalkeeper, it's slightly different. So I still think Bern Leno has plenty to offer, but I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this one over the coming weeks. Will he make that move to Fulham? It's understood that Bern Leno is very, very keen along with his wife to stay in London. And obviously that would give them the opportunity to do that. I've said it to you guys before in the past, I felt like looking at Bern Leno that he could probably do better than Fulham. And that's, with all due respect to them, you know, they are a bit of a yo-yo club. They're up and down. Uh, there's no guarantee that they're going to be OK in the Premier League next season. And I would argue that Burn Leno is at a higher level than Fulham. But if the money's right, if the lifestyle piece is right, which we think it is, then, um, you know, you can understand why he may be tempted by that move and why Arsenal may be tempted to cash in on the stopper. Moving on, Lucas Torreira, who's been heavily linked with a move away this summer. But as of yet, there is still no offer that Arsenal deems suitable uh, for the Uruguayan midfielder. He has spoken very, very openly about his desire to leave the club. But we heard yesterday from his agent that Lucas Torreira has been notified by Arsenal Football Club that he needs to take part and is going to be involved in their US tour. So. Look, a lot of people keep having this discussion, you know, is the door completely closed for Lucas Torreira? Is Lucas Torreira somebody who has zero future at Arsenal Football Club? And I personally would be quite interested to see him have another shot because I think it's very, very apparent that we're not going to get the money for him now. You know, we, we paid, I think, around 25, 27 million in total to bring him into the football club. Um it hasn't really worked out. It was the signing of a previous regime. It was a signing that I'm not sure who was behind, really, because Unai Emery was very clear on the profile of central midfielder that he wanted at that point. And it certainly wasn't Lucas Torreira. But he ended up with him. He gave it a go when Mikel Arteta came in. That basically spelt the end for Lucas Torreira at Arsenal. Does he have an opportunity to come back into things? Does he have an opportunity to prove his worth? Yeah, I think he does. Um, you know, I think he does. But then you hear the, the talk that's coming out of his camp and you think, has too much been said? Has too much happened? Is, is there been too much water under the bridge for us to kind of go back on this and for Lucas Torreira to be able to change his feelings and, and change his mindset? And I think that's probably the case. But he is going to be on the tour, as he should be. He's an Arsenal player. He's contracted to the Gunners. So, yeah, I mean, we'll have a look at his performances during the preseason tour. And I'm sure people will jump to numerous conclusions. But, you know, we've known for a long time that Lucas Torreira has very little desire to stay in London, which obviously plays a part in this as well. A big part in this. I touched on the lifestyle piece with Bern Leno. You know, at the end of the day, these guys are people as well. You know, they're human beings as well. And yeah, they earn big amounts of money. And yeah, to a degree, it's kind of easy as a somebody outside of that world to say, well, you earn this, you should just basically put up with anything. But ultimately, lifestyle is very, very important. And I think that Lucas Torreira, as I say, even if he felt there was a way back into the team, which I don't think he does, I think he's kind of 
been given that message. He's, he's, he's kind of felt that vibe from Mikel Arteta all along that he's not really part of the plans. But then on the flip side, you know, and he's gone out as as far as saying, this is what I'm going to cost. And yet there are still no biters. There's still nobody biting at that opportunity to bring Lucas Torreira in. Now, I think further on in the window, later on in the window, you may well see some of those clubs actually firm up their interest in Lucas Torreira. I talk about this all the time uh, with Tom Canton. We always say that we've got a lot of players that we need to move on that are late in the window type players. And what I mean by that is they're players who the club have made it clear don't really have a future, which shows that they're in that they're you know they're dispensable, which shows that we're probably not asking for the biggest amount of money in the world. But why would you, as a buying club, want to get that deal done at a higher expense just to say you did it a little bit earlier? And when you think about the fact that some of the domestic leagues in other countries might start a week or two later, then again, there isn't that urgency that we feel here in the Premier League and in the UK to get business done now. If you're, you know, I don't know, let's say Fiorentina and you're looking at Lucas Torreira, I don't think they will end up with Lucas Torreira now. But if you were interested and you know that when it gets towards the back end of the window, you could potentially save five or six million pounds by almost forcing Arsenal into doing that deal because they need to get rid. And, and putting Arsenal in a position where it's either now or never in terms of getting a fee for him, then I think Arsenal would would probably buckle. And those clubs know that. And yeah, when we talk in, about the Premier League and we talk about five, six million pounds, sometimes that can be a figure that you turn your nose up at. Sometimes that can be seen as an insignificant amount of money. But when you're talking about some of the Italian clubs who financially aren't anywhere near as strong, then you're talking about a decent amount of money, an amount of money for which they could potentially go and get someone else, for which they could potentially cover uh, an important player's wages for most of the season. So, yeah, it, it, it's very, very different worlds that we're living in. And, and I think that these clubs in Italy, in Spain, who financially don't have the same resources as the Premier League teams are quite happy to let these deals drag on, to let these things get towards the end of the window and then try their luck and hope that they can strike a good value deal. And I think that is exactly what is probably going to happen with Lucas Torreira. But as I say, he will be on the US tour unless anything changes between now and then. Let's quickly touch on Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He played against Nuremberg the other day. Did an OK job, I thought. Wasn't bad, um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. But we know he's come back from a loan spell that just didn't work. You know, the one prior at West Brom, I don't think worked either. And then, of course, he went over to Roma to play under Jose Mourinho. And again, failed to make an impact. Failed to show to people, in my opinion, that Arsenal have got it wrong in terms of their treatment of him. But he's back now. Again, another one that I think will probably leave the club between now and the end of the window. And according to some reports in Germany, there are a number of clubs both on the continent and domestically who have a serious interest in Maitland-Niles. I keep hearing this about a lot of players. Put your money where your mouth is then. If you're a club interested, put your money where your mouth is. And again, similarly to the Torreira situation, I would say this is a player that we're most likely to see move on towards the back end of the window. Now, my issue with this is, and, and this is why Arsenal have a harder job in the transfer window than, than people think, and why it's not as straightforward as, as people think, is because there must come a point as Arsenal Football Club where we can't continue doing business until we move some of these players on, where we can't continue bringing in players, splashing out big money on people 
until we have thinned out that group of almost misfits. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a derisory way, but they are misfits. You know, they don't fit in with what Mikel Arteta wants to do. They don't fit in with his plans. And so trimming that group of players down is, is so, so important. I don't know how far we have to go. Um, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of it exactly from a financial perspective, but you'd imagine that Arsenal need to move a couple of these guys on. I'm talking Leno, I'm talking Bayerin, I'm talking Torreira, I'm talking Maitland-Niles, I'm talking maybe even Reese Nelson. You know, I've named you five players there off the top of my head that I don't think have a future at Arsenal Football Club. Add Nicolas Pepe into that mix if you want. There's got to come a point where Arsenal have to start moving out to be bringing in. And we've brought in a few already. So are we getting to that point now where we're kind of at this standstill and we've we've hit a bit of a brick wall in terms of our business? I, I don't know. I don't know that for a fact. We're hearing Arsenal pushing for a number of players still, which is an encouraging sign, but we're not seeing that movement, are we? We touched the other day on Yuri Tielemans. He's been a player linked with Arsenal throughout the duration of this window so far, and that talk is just not going away. But we also heard just a few days ago that actually Arsenal have another priority in the centre of midfield. And is it Lucas Paqueta? Well, that's what multiple reports from France are telling us. Multiple outlets are reporting that Arsenal are pushing hard to land the player, that Lyon want around about 50 million euros, which is about 43 million pounds, and that the player himself is pushing for the move. Now, what do I know about Lucas Paqueta. So I've got to be honest with you, haven't seen an awful lot of him since he moved to Lyon. Now, of course, he started off in Flamengo in Brazil and made a big money move from Flamengo to AC Milan in January 2019. The Rossigneri paid over £34 million to get the player in. That's a lot of money. You know, when you think about what Milan have been spending on individual players over the years, you think about the fact that this was a couple of years ago, more than that now, three years ago. When you think about the fact that, you know, normally if you go to the Brazilian clubs and you make decent offers because of, again, the financial disparity between European football and South American football, you can normally do a deal at a decent price. Milan paid a lot of money for Lucas Paqueta. They really, really did. He came into Milan and, to be honest with you, didn't really have the right impact, didn't have the impact that maybe people hoped. He's 24 years old, so he's still got plenty of time on his side. He's at a very, very good age in that sense. But when you compare his time at Milan and at Lyon, they are worlds and worlds apart. So maybe I need to put this preconception that I have of him from his days at Milan where I actually watched him and not let that um you know not let that impact the way I think of him now now that he's at Leon and doing much much better so if you compare some of the statistics from when he was at Milan to when he was at Leon so at Milan he played 44 times scored a single goal and managed three assists along the way now, you're not necessarily going out and bringing a player like Lucas Paqueta, someone who can play in that midfield, I think would be coming in to play on that left side of a midfield three, most likely. You know, he's a, obviously a left-footed player. I know that you shouldn't 
you know, you shouldn't sort of base it just on outputs. But at Milan, the outputs were, were pretty low. They weren't anything to ride home about. But when you look at what he did and what he has done at Lyon, there's a significant increase. Now, I would argue that the Serie A is much harder uh, as a league and is at a much higher standard as a league than the French league and overall. However, he still managed 21 goals and 13 assists. That's 34 goal contributions in 77 appearances for the French outfit. That is much, much better. He seems to me someone who can play anywhere in the midfield. If you want him to be a little bit more forward thinking, if you want him to be a little bit more advanced, you can ask him to do that and he can do that to good effect. But if you want him to drop in as a, I wouldn't say a defensive midfielder, but a central midfielder. So probably the left side of our three, the left-sided eight, as people like to call it, then I think he'd be a good addition. And this leads me on nicely to the Lissandro Martinez stuff, because we keep hearing that, you know, Manchester United are in the driving seat. And we've now heard over the weekend that actually Ajax have put their price up even further to around about 60 million euros. And I'm sorry, but this is Ajax trying to take both Arsenal and Manchester United for a ride here. Lissandro Martinez is a good player. I like him. I've talked time and time again about the versatility that he would bring to the side. The fact that he can cover centre-back, left-back, defensive midfield makes him a really, really great option. But 60 million euros, you're having an absolute bubble. It's too much money. It's too much money. And there has to be a point where you go, nah, I'm walking away from this. And if Manchester United continue to be led down that particular garden path and end up paying in excess of 60 million euros for Lissandro Martinez, then by all means, go for it. I promise you there'll be no hard feelings from over here because I just think that we have to be sensible. We have to go that extra mile when necessary, but you only go that extra mile if you think that player is worth going that extra mile for. And if Arsenal felt that Lissandro Martinez was worth you know, way more than, you know, than they believe they would have gone that extra mile and already agreed that fee with Ajax and already got that deal done. But Ajax are playing a game here. They brought Manchester United into the equation and they're trying to spark and incite a bidding war between the two clubs. And I don't want Arsenal to be a part of that. For too many years, for far too long, Arsenal have spent money frivolously and badly. And I don't want us to do that again if we're not sure. Um, you know, we talk about the positions that Lissandro Martinez would cover. But if we look at the reports that we're seeing today, we could potentially bring in Lucas Paqueta, who would cover the midfield positions that we talk about Lissandro Martinez potentially covering. But also we could go out and get Alex Grimaldo, the Benfica left back that we're being heavily linked with. He is available on the cheap. You know, you're talking seven, eight million euros for Alex Grimaldo, not because he's an awful player, but because according to reports, he's fallen out with Benfica and the relationship between the club and the player is just untenable. They're desperate to move him on. So you could potentially go in and bring in two players. You could bring in a left back who will be a backup to Kirantini. And remember, that's what any left back coming in would be. And bring in a, a top midfielder. Now, is Paqueta the man that we want over Tielemans? We don't know that. But if Lissandro Martinez is going to come in, as the Athletic told us, primarily as left-back cover, because if you remember that piece from David Ornstein specifically said 
that one of the differences between what Manchester United and what Arsenal are proposing is that Manchester United see Lissandro Martinez as a centre-back. Arsenal, however, see him as primarily left-back cover. Now, I'm sorry, but you can't spend 60 million euros on left-back cover. We just don't have the resource. We don't have that kind of money to be throwing around. The money would be much wiser spent, I think, in bringing in a top midfielder, which I think is more of a priority. And we could use seven, eight million euros of the transfer budget allocated this summer to bring in the likes of Alex Grimaldo if we don't feel that the cover that we have at the football club right now for Kieran Tierney is sufficient. And I think when you look at the way that Nuno Tavares played in the second half of last season, I think that's a fair conclusion to draw. But it's certainly not so far up the priority list that you should be spending 60 million euros at the expense of then going out and getting a midfielder, which I think is a bigger need. So that's where I am on that. Talking about midfield, the Daily Star say that Arsenal are considering making an approach for N'Golo Kante. Chelsea midfielder has 12 months left on his deal, but has been riddled by injury problems in recent seasons. Look, my thoughts on this are simple. This is a signing that would be made three years too late if Arsenal were to push through with it. I, I don't think it's a goer. I don't think it's realistic. It's one of those where they've left themselves incredibly open um, and, and have been incredibly non-committal in their wording of the story. Arsenal are considering. You can never prove or disprove that. And I always say this to you guys. When you're trying to decipher a story and work out how genuine it might be, when someone is incredibly non-committal, I'm not saying that they're lying. And I always tell you guys that journalists are only as good as the information that is given to them. But what I would say is this, when it is that non-committal, you should probably refrain from getting carried away. And that's how I feel about this one. N'Golo Kante, not for me, you know, not now, maybe three years ago, not now. We're talking about a player who's on huge wages at Chelsea as well. That would obviously have a big impact on our wage structure as well. So no, um, no, not for me. Uh, Neil uh, Salesman says, Harry, that statement, going back to what I was saying about Lissandro Martinez and him primarily being left-back cover in Arsenal's eyes. Uh, Harry, that statement is coming from the Athletic, not Arsenal on where they're going to play Martinez. Since when did they become the mouthpiece for Mikel, piece of salt? Yeah, a pinch of salt. I beg your pardon, piece of salt. Yeah, look, I totally agree. I'm not saying that I, I'm taking it as gospel, but I think that normally when something comes from David Ornstein or a number of other very reputable sources. Yeah, they're not right every single time and you shouldn't believe every single word that anybody has to say, really. But a lot of the time, that's a line that's come from the club. You know, that's that's something that's been fed to them. And I just think that, you know, if Lissandro Martinez came in with a view to being a centre-back, does he walk in ahead of Gabriel? Because I don't think he does. I don't think someone like Lissandro Martinez given that he's not very physical, he's not very powerful, would come in and, and cope as a centre-back or be there ready to kind of help us continue on our journey and be a better option than a centre-back who's been there for a couple of seasons now and he's really starting to come into his own. So I think it makes sense as well. And, I, and I, when I read a report, the first thing I do is, is process it, try to understand it and work out if I think it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, it's probably not true. I do think Lissandro Martinez has been targeted because of his versatility more than because of him as a centre-back. 
that's my view and, and my opinion on it. Of course, I could be wrong, but I do think that there's a good chance that he plays as a left back if he comes to Arsenal. And I do think there's a good chance he plays in the midfield as well, more so than at centre back. In which case, is he now is a is is a backup left back worth us spending sixty million pounds on? I would say no. I would say no. Okay, um, look, we're going to take some of your questions, some of your thoughts from the live chat box. But before we do that, if I could quickly remind you to hit the like button on the video, there's over 650 of you with me live right now, but we've only got 95 likes on the board. Let's set a target of 250. Should be very easily achieved, given how many of you are with us at present. Also, subscribe to the channel if you are new. We're pushing towards that next milestone. We want to get there ASAP. So please, please do uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new. And if you want to go one further and support me by becoming a member in my quest to delivering you Arsenal-related content on a daily basis, then please do uh, join up there as well. Okay, let's get some of your questions. Let's get some of your thoughts. Um, Sko says, Arsenal have spent more than ever at this stage of a window and there's people complaining. Look, I was having a debate yesterday with um, with my good friend Dan Potts um, because he was saying that, you know, we need to bring in a few more players. And, and listen, I expect Arsenal between now and the end of the window to bring in another two. That's my opinion. I think that's a realistic ask. And I'd rather we brought in two players of a, a high standard of a good quality that would um that would improve us as opposed to trying to spread ourselves too thin because we're desperate for numbers that's my opinion when you think about what we've done already this summer we've brought in Matt Turner William Saliba comes into the squad Fabio Vieira has been signed Marquinhos has been signed and Gabriel Jesus has been signed. So we've brought five players into the squad. Plus, if we bring in the additional two that I think we might between now and the end of the window, you're talking about seven players coming into the squad. Now, people will talk about Saliba and say, yeah, but we already had him and we already owned him. And, and I get that, right? Fine. But he's still an addition to the squad that we didn't have previously because we took the decision that actually he'd be better off going out on loan. He's still a player coming into the group really, to be a part of it for the first time. How many football clubs bring in more than seven players into their first team squad each summer? Not many. Yet if you're sitting there asking for nine and ten in total, if you're sitting there saying we need three more, we need four more, we need five more, that's completely unrealistic. You cannot expect the club to manage that level of turnaround season after season. Because if they did, they'd be they'd be disregarding the value of coaching. They'd be almost saying that the players that we have cannot improve and will not improve. Therefore, we need to keep going and bringing in, you know, big amounts of, of players season after season after season. And it's just not the reality. You can sit there and say, in my opinion, I still think we need to add four players. And that's a valid opinion to have, but to expect it, to expect it to happen after we've already done a load of business this summer is unrealistic and you're only setting yourself up for disappointment or you're setting yourself up so that you can have a moan. It's one or the other. 
Let's uh, let's continue through the chat box. Cass says, move on from Martinez, not at 60 million euros. Would like Arsenal to sign Paqueta, Tielemans and Grimaldo if Tavares goes out on loan. I'd be happy with that as well. I really would. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Fort Lauderdale Gooner Craig. Big shout out to the Fort Lauderdale Gooners. Here it is. Repping on the Chronicles of Aguna says, big up, Harry. I hope you're good, mate. Just showing some love for the channel. Thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate your support as always. Uh, thank you. Uh, great to see you here and uh, really do appreciate the donation. Uh, Riddy Sarkar says, Harry, do you think he will have the rest of all our signings sorted before Palace away? And do you think Jesus would have come to us if Arteta wasn't here? Do I think we'll have all the signings sorted? Probably not. Um, probably not, because we tend to see greater movement towards the back end of windows. We tend to see things get moving after a lot of positioning, after a lot of jostling, after a lot of um, discussion, debate, back and forth. That's the point where we tend to see clubs go, well, actually, if we want to do this, we, we've bloody got to do it now. So let's go that extra mile. So maybe not. You know, in an ideal world, you'd love to have all your players in before the start of the season. But we also know that that isn't always realistic. I mean, you take last season, for example, there were a number of players that Arsenal were chasing throughout the entire summer and ended up having to sign them after the first game of the season because that's when they could get the deal done. And it goes back to what I always say. Sometimes it's not all in your hands. And we have to, as fans, recognise that there are lots of factors at play when you're talking about some of these deals. Russ says, Harry, hi, mate. Can you see us keeping Torreira and using him in a double pivot for the Europa League? I personally think we'll get a deal done that sees Lucas Torreira leave the club before the end of the window, if I'm being honest. Um, but I'm not against him being given an opportunity because I do think there's a player in there um, for all the issues that we we clearly have with him. Uh, big thank you to Lynn, uh, who's just signed up as a member. Lynn, thank you so, so much. Uh, really, really do appreciate it. If you go to the channel when the stream finishes, click on Community you'll find the link to our Discord server, which is like a giant group chat where all the Chronicles of Aguna family uh, talk and chat and, and discuss and stuff. And it's great. Um, it's great fun. And it's a great little community that we've got there. So I'd love uh, for you to become a part of that as well. It is included in your membership. So please do uh, check that out if you can. If you need any help with it, give me a shout. Give me a shout. Uh, let's take another super chat. We're all coming in today. Thank you so much, Ali. Says, uh, big up. Uh, we won't get Paqueta. It's the same thing with Martinez. We dilly-dally over a deal and then someone else comes in. Yeah, look, I get what you're saying. There, there seems to be a bit of frustration this summer because it looks like we were in the driving seat to make certain signings. Martinez at one point, Rafinha as well. Neither of whom are probably going to end up at Arsenal come the end of the summer. But these are just the players that we know Arsenal are in the mix for, right? And, and we keep talking about it. Arsenal are doing a very, very um, good job of, of keeping some things under wraps. It's not always possible, clearly, but I think they are working and are very busy in the background. I wouldn't be surprised if the remaining signings that come in this summer are players that none of us had on our radar at any point whatsoever. So I, I get what you're saying. I get where you're coming from. I get there's a there's an element of frustration because of those examples that I've mentioned, but I just think we need to kind of be a little bit open-minded, uh, a little bit more understanding of, of how these things work and judge it at the end of the window, I guess. That's the way um, That's the way I'm looking at it at this moment anyway. going to take one or two uh, more of your questions before 
uh, I jump off. I want to get down to the butchers. I want to get some meat. I want to like the charcoal. I want to sit out in the sun and I want to watch the bloody Wimbledon final today because that is going to be a cracker. I'm team Nick Kyrgios. I don't know about you guys. Let me know if you are a tennis enthusiast who you'd like to see come out on top, but that's going to be an entertaining game. Uh, very, very much looking forward to that. Um, Steve Stone says, at time of writing, Chelsea haven't signed Rafinha and United haven't signed Martinez. I fail to see why some moan about Arsenal's failings when other clubs are struggling too. Yeah, it's a great point. If those deals were that easy to do, then surely the clubs who came in and gazumped us, as people say, as I said at one point, would have done those deals by now. They haven't, which suggests that they're not as straightforward, not as easy and not as clear cut as we're sometimes led to believe. Uh, Riddy says, uh, no, Kyrgios is a Spurs fan. Uh, Kyrgios doesn't care about football, mate. Uh, oh, he doesn't. I don't think he does. Um, I did see that picture of him in a Spurs shirt. It was disappointing, but he's half Greek. So that's one of the reasons that I've got to back him. Also, he's incredible entertainment value. And I really look forward to seeing if he tries to get under Novak Djokovic's skin. Um, also, we've got Elliot Roberts says, uh, sorry, Harry, Tom from the Guna Talk. And I agree. N'Golo and Kante to Arsenal is a no-brainer. A world-class midfielder who would add a top, add top-class leadership and play to our midfield at a fraction of the cost. I disagree, mate. I disagree. I don't think N'Golo Kante is what he was. I don't think he's able to stay fit, in which case with him and Thomas Partey, we're going to have a problem all season long. I think his wages are going to be crazy. And I think, although I've been talking about the need to go out and buy seasoned professionals now and players who are ready to impact, um, you know, now rather than tomorrow, we still need to be clever in the way we do business. And for me, this is not a smart piece of business. Not now. Two years ago, three years ago, yeah, I'd have been all over it, but not now, not now. Um, Carrie Tanninen says, how do you become a member? If you're watching on your laptop or PC, there should be a join button underneath the video. If not, um, there is a link in the description of this video that you can click on and it will take you to the sign up page if you would love to do it. OK, look, going to leave it there. Lots and lots of chat, lots of transfer to chat we've, ch we've touched on. I was going to say touched on, touched on, touched on. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've talked about Lissandro Martinez. What is going on there? It looks as though Ajax have pushed their price up, which may rule Arsenal out of the chase. Uh, Lucas Paqueta is a player that Arsenal are said to be pushing for. Uh, we're also talking about Alex Grimaldo and various others. Bern Leno could be closing in on a move to Fulham. We think Lucas Herrera will take place on Arsenal's tour of the US and of course Ainsley Maitland-Niles is still being linked with a move away Look, I'll catch you all very very soon with more uh, we'll definitely be back tomorrow if anything breaks of significance in between now and then we'll drop you an additional piece of content as well if you are an audio listener make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel as well because particularly during transfer season we've been dropping some sort of eight ten minute pieces of content very reactionary to any news and any stories that are coming out. And I don't always put them on audio because, you know, do you really want to jump into a podcast and eight minutes later it's done and you've got to be reaching for your phone? Because um, people tend to listen to podcasts, I'm guessing, while they're doing other things. So, uh, yeah, I don't always put that content up on audio, uh, but you can make sure that you don't miss any of it by coming over 
to the YouTube channel. Subscribe, leave a like on the video. You know the drill by now, and I'll be back very, very soon. Enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the fine weather. Enjoy the Wimbledon final, and I'll catch you all soon. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.